start of the future. The next generation turn it into reality. Through time. Through the desert. Through the distance. Now, the UAE's journey to the future begins. Good morning, good evening, depending upon what part of the world you're in. If it's Friday, it has to be the CEO series, where we interview global leaders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and disruptors. Our guest today is Christina Iannatis, who is an award-winning speaker, trainer, and entrepreneur. She's the Chief Engagement Officer for Aquitude. Christina has recently been awarded with the accolade Most Admired Brand Strategist in the UAE. Her clients, the clients, Hermes, uh, Barclay Banks, Shell, Lloyds, Accenture, Cisco, eBay, and it goes on and on. She is currently co-authoring her second book, Transformational Leadership, How to Reboot, Rebuild, and Reconquer providing corporate leaders with a toolkit for transformation in the post-COVID era. She's been recognized by the UK government as leader in women in business and has received the coveted International Alliance of Women World of Difference Awards in Washington, DC. Whoa, I'm excited. <laughs> That's all I can say. So <laughs> Thank you for having me, Ron. It's a pleasure and an honor to be part of the CEO series. I'm so excited to have you here. You know, you have a huge imprint. You have to follow this young lady online because she's all over the place and she, she's consulting with clients and she's, she has videos and all these things that are happening there. So she's a social person that you should follow. So let's get started. Give us some insight on the new book. Yeah. So that, that book, Transform, Transformational Leadership, how to reboot, rebuild, and reconquer. Thank you so much. So uh, the first question, which is all about the book. The book is essentially a guide for uh, leaders to really um, uh, solidify their skills in, in, in coming through what has been a very difficult phase and going through transformation. So the, the R methodology, and I've been working, by the way, with this methodology since 2008, since the financial crisis, oh. which you and I remember very well, yeah. <laughs> having worked in the cities that we've worked. Yeah. Um, and it is all the methodology is a three-part methodology. 
um, which is getting leaders to understand that when you go through a transformation, the first thing you need to do is really to uh, reboot, to look at the mindset change, look at how you adapt to the new to new environments that you may be uh, working in or or trying to um, kind of come out from. So it's really about assessing the today, but also giving a bit of a rear view mirror. Then the, uh, re, the second phase, which is the rebuilding is, okay, so where do we wanna go from there? When we are transitioning, the biggest challenge, and this is, this, is, this is research has indicated this, is that everyone fears change. We all fear it. We all like our comfort zone. But in order to move forward, we need to embrace change. So here we look at how do we, how do we package our view of the world in a way that gets us motivated to move forward. And this looks at things like understanding what makes us tick, understanding that whatever we do in the future has got to have that uh, engagement piece. It's got to drive us internally to move forward. And then the reconquering, which is the final phase, it's really about getting out there, branding yourself, getting out there and understanding that you've got to overcome your imposter syndrome because that's another big challenge that individuals face when they go through transformation is, will I be the same person um, as the one I used to be? Uh, probably not. I mean, COVID-19 is a great example. Nobody has come through the pandemic, the same person that went, yeah. that went into the pandemic. Exactly so this right. is why the reboot, rebuild, reconquer is essentially the three-step methodology that anyone can use okay. um, to come through the pandemic and really kind of reaffirm themselves in the new in the new today. Mm. You know, your your response to that was on the corporate side, but a lot of your work is the brand of you. Yeah. So if we move that down from the corporate side to the individual that's going through this transformation. And uh, how do we how do we take that from the corporate side to the individual in the brand of you? So in the in the brand of you, a lot of what I referred to actually is a, as an individual journey. Okay. Because individuals have to go through this journey, whether they're working in a team or whether they're doing this individually as a as a professional. These are the steps that they have to go through. And when I talk about, for example, uh, overcoming the imposter syndrome. Um, the brand of you it has a very, very clear place in that because, and that's primarily why people have an imposter syndrome. They see that they're not necessarily the person that they may want to be in the future. They, they're being held back by their past, thinking, I am not this person that I'm projecting myself to be. And that's a little bit of a discord for them. And yeah. that's where we say, well, you've got to work with the new person. You are the person. You've got yeah. those capabilities. And in, the, in that kind of reconquering phase, it's about reaffirming your personal beliefs. And this is where it's completely individual and reaffirming the fact that you've got the strength, the power and the resilience to overcome that, to overcome those, uh, the um, imposter syndrome. And I have to make a point here about fear, because that's the other thing that uh, holds people back when we're talking about uh, transformation and transitioning. A lot of people, when we get to that phase, they come out and they say, oh, I'm really scared. And a, a great example is this common contact we have of someone that we know who had a big fear of public speaking. You always will face fear. It's what yeah. you do with it. Exactly. So strategies to actually harness those fears and say, look, I have been invincible in the past. I can be invincible in the future. Here's how some of my personal affirmations to get there. 
So it is it is very much homing in on the individual and really building that skill set to reboot, rebuild, reconquer. Okay, I'm going to give you accolades now because the young lady that we're talking about, she told me that story and she talked about how she was able to make that transition and she kept referencing you. And she and I worked together um, on a project and I saw her on the stage and I'm like, you had a problem with public speaking. You, you slayed this. Yes. And all the accolades came back to you and the work you did with her. So a lot of what you do is not only coaching organizations, but coaching individuals. Absolutely. Well, organizations are made of individuals and that's, okay. and that's what you and I do, right? This is, yeah. this is our work. Yeah. We might talk about corporations, but ultimately they are run by individuals. So everything that a company does is about, we have to harness the talent of those individuals who are within the uh, organization and give and bring up the best in them and that's the beauty i think um, i mean ron you and i have had a very varied career corporate entrepreneurs um but that's the beauty of actually being in a smaller business or running your own business is that you get to do mm -hmm. the stuff that you that really makes your heart sing you know and you kind of you can you can shape your career um yeah. in that way and by the way we one of the one of the questions I get is what's Aquitude, right? Because people say, what's the name of your company? What does Aquitude mean? And it's a it's a basic premise of my company is it's a combination of the words aqua and attitude. Okay. Aqua is water and your attitude in life has to flow like water because you have no idea what the future will bring. A natural flow. And that's and that's for me, that's exactly why we're talking why I'm such a passionate advocate. Yeah. about uh you know working through transformation mm. and i can tell you more about my background and why i believe in this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know I've what personal transformations to yeah, go through trust me on that one i was going to ask a question but here's an interesting comment that someone just made you will always face fear what do i do with it how do i move if i'm frozen in fear how do i move to the next step thank you for that question yeah, I think it's more of an observation, actually. It's, it's you will always face fear. It's what you do with it, was, was okay. my, my statement. And I think that, and that's, and thank you very much for appreciating that statement. Either way, what you do with it is, number one, uh, there is a great, I love the quote. You probably know this from um, Jack uh, Canf Canfield, Canfield in Chicken Soup for the Soul. He calls uh, fear fantasized experiences appearing real. Yeah, that is okay. Right. So, and and that's true. It's because yeah. we fantasize that this yeah. is going to go wrong. Oh my God! And this is where fear comes in. Now, fear is also a biological response to uncertainty. Why? Because our stress hormones, and I'm going to talk like crazy today about uh, a hormone called cortisol, goes crazy on us, and it's the one that says, "Oh, hold on, maybe I shouldn't be doing this," because yeah. our brain is trying to protect us. Yeah. yeah. But actually. What do we do with that energy? It's about we need to reframe it. We're always going to feel it. We're always going to feel the butterflies in the stomach. And that's what yeah. I told to this common person that we talk about in terms of yeah. and anyone who's doing public public speaking. You're always going to get those butterflies. Yeah. yeah, It's knowing those butterflies are actually a great moment for you to say, look, it's because I'm getting ready and I'm excited about doing ABC or public mm -hmm. speaking, whatever it is that we feel. So it's about reframing that moment to say it's it's a positive. Because we're always going to feel it. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I say to you, the other reason, the other thing I work on is, when have you felt invincible? 
When you felt invincible, you have been at the top of your game. And those are the, the moments that you need to bring back when you've got those moments of uncertainty. So doing those two things help you with overcoming the fear because it's always going to be there. Yeah. You know, I talked to someone, uh, I gave a speech one time and they said, you know, I would love to do that, that stuff, but I am so afraid. You look so comfortable in doing that. I said, years of training, years of just stepping out there and moving forward. But even to this day, if I'm in a conference room, I mean, in, a, in an auditorium and there's 5,000 people sitting there, and when someone is reading that bio, you're going to still have the butterflies. And one of the things I realized, that will always be there. It, but you step beyond that and you learn little tricks. Each person in context will learn a different way to approach it. But that's always going to be there. Absolutely. Is that a correct, is that a correct assessment? Absolutely. That's absolutely right. That's exactly what I what I espouse as well. Mm. And so and th this notion that we don't feel fear. I mean, nobody is fearless. We can aim to be fearless. Yeah. But it, it, we have to, to strive to say, I can work with this fear. And mm -hmm. I'm going to give you another example, because I am I, I, I talk about this all the time, because it's very important for us to talk about the F word, which is failure. Yeah. So I'm someone who in the early 2000s, so this is before the, the uh, financial crisis, we had the, uh, the dot-com bust, right, in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And I was made redundant twice in mm -hmm. that early 2000s. And then I decided to launch a business in, in an area I didn't know very much about, a retail business, which I launched in 2003 and then consequently lost in 2006, 2007. So I have, I am, I'm an embodiment of an entrepreneur who's been through business failure. Yes. And if I had listened to everybody else around me, who a lot of people said, look, this is a very dangerous, very risky because retail is risky. Yeah. It's a high risk business, you know, be careful, da, 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 da. If I had listened to them, I wouldn't have done it. But mm -hmm. for me, I call it my, the most expensive MBA you could possibly get. Oh, <laughs> because it taught me everything that frankly has taken me through through there are the challenges that we've all been yeah. through with covid right yeah. so i learned a very expensive lesson but it was I a know. very useful lesson. i know i call i call it the silent benefits of failure absolutely and we absolutely. learn from that and we and we move on absolutely without being stuck and replaying it over it's over with find a way to move to the next level. Absolutely. You know, one of the things you mentioned, and, and I want to come back to the brand of you as it relates to the social context, you know, you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook, you've got all these, and people are posting things and you could be sitting there struggling and you see all the social stuff and everybody seems to be ahead of you. And I think this is happening more so today than this ever happened. So when you talk about, you know, the imposter syndrome, all these kinds of things, I think a lot of it today, and this is just my interpretation, you know a lot more about it than I do. It's because of social pressure. You know, mm. we see our friends posting things, doing cool things, and you're sitting there struggling, either mentally, financially, career-wise, or whatever it is. Does that play a big role? Is my assessment kind of on point? I think you're absolutely right in the sense that social media and has a has a big impact and can be debilitating for for people. And you know, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned this because 
during the crisis, during COVID-19 pandemic, I personally faced a lot of of, uh, trauma and grief, okay, personally, which led me to have a lot of issues, health issues, um, which I can talk about further down the line. But ultimately, there was a point that I was struggling with social media and the concept of social media. And I, I personally took a step back. And I think there comes a time when we are, because we have to be authentic, part of anything that you do that is brand related, you have to be authentic. You can't have a brand that's externally focused that is completely at antithesis to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. If you do, you will lead a life that is a very challenging life because they will, be, it will, they will not coexist in, mm-hmm. in harmony. So that's number one. So if there are times where social media wise, you cannot put forward that face that is an authentic you, where you are, what you're living, um, what you're feeling, then take time out. We do need to have those moments where we're doing a digital detox as well. That's just as important. Yeah. You know, and I personally had to do that where I just said, look, I even put it on Facebook. Friends, I'm out for a while. I just need clarity. Yeah. Because the press is too much. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, so, so, so when you go back to that and people are trying to figure out what the next step is, but a lot of that's guided by what they're picking up on the whole social context. So one of the things you mentioned, I saw a speech you get, you talked about mental, mental transitioning and moving from this so-called fixed mindset of this is the way we always did it pre-COVID and now we're post-COVID and that may have to loosen up somewhat, a little more relaxed or whatever it is. Any, any thoughts on that? So mental- sorry. I, can you repeat the question? I'm sorry, my, my connection lost. I lost the connection there. It's okay. So we're talking about mental tra- transitioning. My phone is on here and I didn't turn it off, but let's just ignore that mental transitioning, moving from a fixed mindset that the way that we used to do everything pre-COVID and now we're going post-COVID and now we have to maybe loosen up somewhat and maybe Mm -hmm. step back and say, how do I reassess what needs to be done? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. This is a, this is everything that I, I personally believe in and, and, and guide uh, clients through and corporations through. So it is about understanding and appreciating that change is the new normal whether it whether you're in the world of technology whether you are in the corporate world wherever everything is going to change around us especially now that we're talking about how you know how even we work how we even work so understanding and appreciating that change is the new normal we've got to embrace change on an ongoing basis so we've got to build that skill set internally to say i'm facing something that i haven't faced before okay what do i do with that do i try and stay in the past or do i try and move forward and that's that's a very conscious conversation we have to have as individuals mm-hmm. and 99 of the time we say well we've got to move forward because if we try and stay in the past well we're either going to digest yeah. ourselves from stress or yeah. we're gonna our business is gonna fail right depending on where, where you're coming from on this so the first thing to do is say, right, okay, let's shift our mindset. Let's understand in what our environment is doing, what's changing, but also what's also changing within us. Okay. Because anything that happens on the outside has always got an internal repercussion. Mm-hmm. And that's where we also talk about the, uh, the coming through, utilizing those moments of, uncomfort- of being uncomfortable and, 
and fear and really focusing on building your resilient skills. And that's where I use a, I use a strategy that I had to come up with because I didn't find anything out there, which was, I call it the life milestones graph. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us has had a life, right? Whatever age you're at. Yeah. And but if you map out that life, you can build a very good picture of those moments where you really were fabulous, where you, like I said earlier, you were invincible, yeah. you did such amazing things, but also mm. were things that you can, that you took away as learnings. And if you put those together, you show, you can prove to yourself that you have actually been through a lot of stuff in the past and have natural resilience internally. Mm -hmm. That's the starting point to really then home in to then say, right, in the new today, which is post COVID, I can use this strength to drive myself forward and do the rebooting and the reconquering that we talked about earlier. So you're absolutely right. The mindset has to st is, is where we start from. We build that mindset, then everything follows. Mm, and then move, move, move beyond that. One of the things that I used to do, and I look back on it now, you know, you, if you step back and assess things that happen, you talk about this journey and the key learning points from that. And one of the techniques I would always use, and this was when I was in the job market and I was trying to get out of a bad job and you apply for jobs and, and this is pre-so-called pre, pre internet and they would send you a letter of rejection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had a file folder and whenever I got down at that point mentally, I'd go there and sit there and read through it. And my thought was, I'll show you, I'll yeah. show you, I'll show you. And someone told me, that's so negative. I said, no, it's not negative. It's fuel for me. So every rejection, mm -hmm. I just put that in the fuel tank and recycle it. That's what's worked for me. Absolutely. And you know what? That's a great strategy. As long as it works for you, whatever yeah. you do that gives you that energy. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff we need to look into is what mm -hmm. is it that works for me? That's going to help me move forward. And that's a mm -hmm. fundamental piece of the core of knowing who you are. So we're talking about the brand of you. There's got to be a core. Part of that core is the fact that Ron is the resilient Ron, and that's what gives him fuel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that worked for me. I mean, as, some, as I said, someone else told me, oh, my God, I can never do it. That would be so negative because it would pull me down. I said, I flip it the other way, and I use it the other way, and I move, move beyond that. So let's talk about, because you, you, you mentioned something in one of your articles about this midlife, regaining your midlife kind of motivation or the second leg or the 2.0, 3.0, or whatever you want to brand it as. What, what does that look like? That's brilliant. And then, then, because, because I've been there. Well, listen, the majority of us are there. You know, the majority of the population today in the developed world is over a certain age. We're mostly around the most post yeah. 50 marks. So particularly in the female population, there's a there's a there's the majority of women in the world are going to be um, over 50 by 2024. So we're looking at a population shift. Why you might have, we can have debates as to why that is, but it is primarily led by the fact that we're not having as many children as we used to, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number one, yeah. maybe because careers get in the way, maybe because you know we got other priorities. But the reality is that the population now, the the world's population is aging. In 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 as I said, in Europe, in the UK, in the US, those countries we're seeing. Completely different, by the way, in Africa and the Middle East, which is which is not. They have a very different, and and certain, certain countries in Southeast Asia, which have a different population mix. So, what the reason why I focus a lot on midlife transitioning is, and you know, we're gonna go. I'm gonna have to go down the gender route here. That's right? okay. 
Because my because, next question following up is on that. Go ahead. Okay, okay. So I'll, I'll leave that there. But the rea the reality is that both genders, I'll start generic then, and then we can, we can home in on the genders, go through a lot of biological transitions from the moment that they are kind of in the, in the kind of mid-30s, right? And those transitions lead up to the midlife, which is associated with being around your 50, 50 years old. Now, if you if you in the past, right, when we were cavemen and we were out in, you know, hunting whatever we used to eat, um, I was gonna say lepers, but I don't think we ate lepers. What yeah. did we eat? Uh, yeah. Boars or whatever we ate. Whatever, we got it, yeah. <laughs> we were not supposed to live post the age of 40, right? But now the majority of the population is living over the age of 80, and women are even living beyond that. Yeah. So 50 it means you've got another 50 years ahead of you, right? Right? And this is not something that we used to think about in the past. I remember I used to look at my parents and I would used to say, and I would used to think, oh my God, my parents are 50. Oh my God, they're so old. Whereas I am now close to that age and I'm going, no, I've got another 50 years in me, honey. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. why is it important to think about midlife transitions? Because our biology changes, which impact our performance. And ultimately, coming back to the notion of business, running your own business, or if you're a corporate uh, high flyer or on sitting on boards, how do you manage to stay in your peak performance when your body actually is trying to work against you? Mm. So, and that's part of my personal story that I, I was at the height of my career in my 40s, typical to a lot of women, right? I don't yeah. have children, and maybe that's the only the, the one difference, and I've got to mention that. But I was traveling the world like you, going around the world in Southeast Asia, China, uh, Europe, doing training, doing consulting programs, all fantastic. Mm -hmm. But there was something that was niggling me. And that's the, I was feeling depressed. I was feeling not great. Quite a lot of anxiety, sleepless nights and weight gain. Mm. And the weight gain is a physical manifestation of our body not being at its best. Okay. And so when that happens, it impacts our, our, our confidence and our personal contributions when it comes to, to businesses. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why managing midlife is super important. Oh. And not only that, we also have, just to add on to that, um, if we don't manage these transitions well, particularly I'll say again for women, we're setting ourselves up for the rest of our life to yeah. be a very low quality of life when actually we can carry on contributing for, you know, until the day we die. Now I've got a father who's 92. He's a composer and a musician and a, and a director, orchestra director. He's still composing at 92. Wow. So the mental, I, the mental side is still working. The mental side is amazing. I mean, every side is amazing. Lucky man. I'm so great. I'm grateful that I'm a carbon copy of him to a certain extent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about managing the midlife transition, because if we don't do it well, we're going to go, we're not, we're setting ourselves up for a bad quality of life. And we're talking about things like chronic disease. We're talking about things like uh, diabetes too, you know, all the things that, in the past, we kind of left us on the side as medical issues, you know, that our work had nothing to do with it. Well, actually, our work is intrinsically related to yeah. if, if we are overstressed, it's going to have a serious impact on how we manage these transitions. Mm. So I know it's a long, long answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, you know, one of the things you mentioned in one of the articles I read, you said you go through and you come out the other side. And I was thinking as I was reading that, 
I was going through a car wash, the one that you just drive through, the car was dirty. And I came there and they put all the suds on it and they did all the things and it came out the car was beautiful. I said, that's what she's talking about. But that's just yeah, and that individual going through that. <laughs> but the individual that goes through that doesn't know. So in, in my case, and like in many of the women, particularly women that I coach and companies that I talk to, is that a lot of people don't know that they're in this car wash. Like I didn't know that I was in this car wash when my weight was going up, when I wasn't feeling great. It was only when I when I started by chance doing something called intermittent fasting, which helped me rebuild my body and lose weight, but also helped me rebalance my hormones. Because a lot of people, and I'm now I'm going to go down the gender route. A lot of people go through hormonal imbalances, men and women, by the way, it's not just a woman's thing. Okay. Men at 30s, they start losing about one to two percent of their testosterone very, very gradually. Yeah. Whereas us women, as always, we tend to have the best of the world. I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, because for when for us women, what tends to happen is we start lose having serious hormonal imbalances in our mid-30s, early 40s, going through right through the moment that we slam the door, which is called the, the wall that is called menopause. <laughs> <laughs> which then can carry on. So we're looking at a, at, a, at a time span of 20 years. So from your mid-30s to your mid-50s, right, for women, it's a time span of 20 years where you're on a roller coaster ride and you have no idea what it is. So mm. that's where the car wash analogy comes in, okay. where only when you become conscious of what the challenges and what the issues are when i have and then there's seven issues right that, that i kind of focus on which are called the seven realms of transition only when you're conscious of those seven realms can you then do everything you need to do to come out the other side mm. and those are the seven things i had to do <laughs> that's the soap powder the hot water and all the sevens that you're going to go through to be scrubbed off kind of absolutely yeah that's the process that's the kind of the rebooting rebuilding reconquering re process with the car wash analogy thrown in absolutely you mentioned gender and I, and i and i tell you that because i read an article to, on, on on ubs uh, and they were trying to figure out you know women leaving their workforce at that particular company interesting concept and what the statistical people came out with that they said women go through more life changes than men. And mm -hmm. I had never given any thought to that, you know, from, from you know, from possibly getting married to childcare and all that, the aging parents, they're gonna always be the ones to step in all these things, whereas men don't. And what they found was that a lot of the people were leaving because there was more stress placed upon them based on gender, as opposed to exactly. the other side that you just kind of go through when you come home and you, you know, if you're that old mental mindset, everything is supposed to be there laid out for you, Mr. King, that kind of thing, which is all changing now. Um, and I find that was interesting as you talk through the gender side of it, uh, of, of women going through a different context of the COVID, even COVID and post-COVID. You know, you're there with your parents now, you know, and making the transition back to whatever it is. So very, very good point. So for someone who's approaching that, or a younger person that notices coming, is there any way that I can prepare? So you talk, you you gave a number around 40, whatever it is. So let's say mid twenties. And I know these kinds of things that are coming. What can I do pre car wash to kind of get prepared for this? <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> I love 
question. Free car wash is brilliant. Look, yeah. I wish I was. I wish I knew now because you can tell I've got this hair is natural, right? My platinum yeah. hair is natural. Yeah. I wish I knew now. I knew then what I know now when I was in yeah. my mid twenties. And the yeah. number one thing is. Um, First, that you need to stay on top of what is happening inside you from, and I'm not just talking about this stereotypical hormonal level side of things, but you do need to understand what is happening that may be affecting your, your performance. And the hormones do tend to, because things like estrogen, um, they are beautiful. Women have estrogen, men have testosterone, right? That's their main hormone. But we all have all three, by the way. We have progesterone and testosterone. And, um, and estrogen as hormones. But the primary is for women, estrogen for men, testosterone. What tends to happen, if we're not, if we're, if, if it's, if hormones start failing us, then both genders suffer from things like anxiety, depression, insomnia. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not a doctor here, but what I am saying is, firstly, we need to be aware of what may be happening internally. So the hormonal side is number one, be aware. And, you know, I'm going to say something that may not be uh, politically correct in some cultures, but, you know, the, the pill that women take sometimes to avoid having children, right? Yeah. That also impacts your hormones because it is made of hormones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that has a long-term effect mm -hmm. that we don't know enough about, by the way, because there's not enough research done on, on the subject, which is another yeah. uh, challenge. So you have, you have to look at your hormonal, you have to look at your physical. Is your body changing? Are you putting on weight and not being able to shake it off? Even though you might be dieting, even though you might be exercising, you know, you have to, if that is the case, like in my case, it kept going up and I was like, I don't know why. I don't know why. I just thought it was because I was eating too many amazing things in Dubai because I was living in Dubai for those years, <laughs> right? But it wasn't. It was the fact that I was doing things that were contrary to balancing the, the hormones yeah. so we've got the yeah. mental aspect we've got to look at how how are we feeling and how is our brain is our brain 100 percent? if it's not then we need again to re review everything are mm. we then there's a social realm so this is the, the other realm that I, I i focus on and i tell people to focus on are you isolated are you starting to not want to see your friends that's an indication that something is not quite right because we are naturally uh, uh, people who are social. We're social animals, right? We we are used to being as a as a society. We're used to be mm -hmm. in tribes mm -hmm. and be together with other people. And that's one of the reasons why, for example, COVID nineteen has a serious impact. Had a serious social yeah. impact. Yeah. Which yeah. has then impacted our mental health because it meant that we are we were completely isolated and all we could do is is to see our friends, <laughs> like I'm seeing you, right? Yeah. That's not a healthy way of being. But at, least, at least we can. You know, we can now see each other. But before, if you're, if you're if you're finding that you're looking to isolate yourself and you're not motivated to see your other friends, you need to do something about it. Then the environment. We're never told. I didn't know that things that where you put your you know if you use plastic bottles, if you look uh, uh, if you if you use Teflon, you know all these things they impact your hormones and they impact your wellness. Mm -hmm. I, I had no idea about this stuff. And then finally, metabolic. This is a new realm. This is a new frontier of science. Yeah. Is the how does the microbiome impact our overall brain health, our overall health, immunity? You know, I can go on for hours because this is yeah. one of my favorite topics. But the that's those are the seven things I would say to someone who's and I, by the way, the person that we've talked about to death uh, today. 
I've been, she knows all about this because I've been banging on to her about this and she's been going through a transformation. No doubt you've seen it. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you have to know about all those seven. Yeah, she and I talked a couple of times a week. Sending, uh, so I told her, I said, I'm your biggest cheerleader sitting in the cheap seats. So when I see something mm. fantastic you're doing, the big smile is on my face. So we have, a, we have a friend of mine out of Nigeria who just posted something in Ife, and she, her comment was, if you're not able to infuse your real self in that public picture, then you are due for a social detox. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with her. We do. We do need to do. This is where we need to detox everything. That's why I call it Reboot, Rebuild, Reconquer. Yeah. And by the way, one of the things that uh, I haven't mentioned is in the past, I wrote a book, which is called this. It's called Your Loss, How to Win Back Your Female Talent. So mm. the co-author that I wrote this book with um, is the one that I'm writing my current book on transformational leadership. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm highlighting this is because she and I were the typical corporate path women. We started our careers in large corporations, yeah. she in banking, me in telecoms and IT yeah. and FMCG. And we both left the corporate world to become entrepreneurs at the time in our mid thirties, at the time yeah. when uh, theoretically we're supposed to go off and have children, right? Which is the stereotype. This is one of the yeah. reasons why there's a leaky pipeline as it's called. And so we knocked that stereotype on its head. And this book came out in 2010, where we said the reason why women are leaving corporations is because they, and they, we did research on this. And the number one reason was their value set was completely inconsistent and mm. incoherent with the, those of their of their corporate employers. And number two, they were not valued for their creativity because women tend to see things differently from men, right? And you know this. We have a we have a slightly different approach in on average, right? So I'm I'm not stereotyping. This is an on average. Yeah, so yeah. if you want real diversity of, of thought, you need both genders. One, the one thing that we did not cover in that book, Ron, and which is why I'm mentioning it now, is neither of us had any idea that another reason why women are self-selecting to leave corporations is because of those transitions which involve health and wellness. Yes, yes. So let's take a commercial break and then we'll come back because I want to pick up on the COVID effect and how that manifested all of this to the top because maybe we weren't having those conversations, conversations before. So we're going to do a commercial break and we'll come right back. Do you have an all-star HR team? You may feel your team is already performing at a high level, but let's take a closer look. Would your company's top leaders and employees agree that your HR team are operating at a high level? Are team members able to influence top executives on difficult topics? Are team members business and strategy focused on the challenges the organization is facing? Does the executive team trust your direct reports as advisors on human capital issues? If you can answer yes to these questions, you have built an outstanding team. If you feel there is room for improvement, Strategy Focused Group can create a custom development program to elevate the quality of your HR team. We use HCI certification programs as well as non-certified HRBP MBA Masterclass to give your team a laser focus on the business and strategy. Please email us at info at strategyfocusedgroup.com.
I want to explore a little more about the COVID impact that's causing people to step back. In other words, COVID caused all of us to slow down. You talked about all your global travel. My travel was every country, every week, a different country. And when I had to come back to my apartment and basically sit there and try and figure out, it caused me to do a lot of thinking. And I know in a lot of cases, the people I talked to, they didn't want to do the thinking because it got too heavy. You know, it was too many things that was popping up, whether I'm going to make it through and all these kinds of things. Talk to us how we could handle that in some way if we're still there. Okay. So, I, well, to be, to be frank, I, I'm not sure that anyone would still be there. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully because not. I, huh? Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. But anyway, if they were to, if they were, uh, to be there, uh, number one, that, I mean, the obvious change has been in the way we work. So there, I, whether you are in a customer-facing job or in a, or in a back office job, the way you do your, your job on a day-to-day -day basis would have become, is likely to become more hybrid like you and I are doing this. Mm -hmm. So number one, has the environment changed? If the environment has changed, well, then obviously we have to do something about it. It's showing us that something has changed. Uh, if you are a corporate, have your customers chosen to buy more online from you than on, in shop, right? Those are the big transitions. If, this, if that's happening, then these are obvious indicators that we need to do something. This is where the transformation uh, begins, which is where we start with, okay, what's happening around us and let's understand that and then our role within it. Then we say, fine, let's then say, what is the, what does the future hold for us? How do we move forward? And again, this is where the branding piece comes in. You need to know what you stand for, yeah. what your values are, right? As an individual now, as a professional, what do you believe in? And then what are the benefits or what, what are the benefits that you bring to anyone on, to any potential employer or your organization? Mm -hmm. If you don't bring the skill set that the organization uh, needs and wants, you're going to be out the door pretty yeah. soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's why we all need to upskill ourselves. We all need to stay ahead of the curve. You know, and a great example is all the stuff that you talk with that I've that we've been talking about midlife transformation. I had no idea anything about that pre COVID. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that I was going to be talking about this stuff yeah, two years down yeah, the line. Yeah. And that's a great example of how me having to upskill, retrain mm -hmm. myself, go through a whole bunch of change internally and mentally and, uh, yeah. and emotionally to be able to uh, capture and embrace all of this. Yeah. And then we move on. Okay, so let's take that to the employer. And here's where, here's where the, the, the crunch is, Ron. I always tell people, you always have something to bring, you bring to the table to any organization. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna stay relevant, you have to move with the times. And if you don't move with the times, you either decide to stay where you are, but be aware that that means that you, your career path may be limited. Okay, okay. So, so and, it, and that's kind of the journey. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm a growth-minded, say, CEO, and I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm thinking, how can I build an awareness our process inside of my organization to make sure we address those needs of mm -hmm. 1,500 people that could be struggling. What, what yeah. advice would you give to the so-called big shot to say, here's some key things that you may want to think about? 
Yeah, great question. And you know what? Talking about big shots, one of the that's why you, things, my euphemism for that is the big shot. I, you know, I get it, I get it, I get it completely. But I, I, I want to give you an example of a big shot that I think did it really, really well during COVID in terms of how to maintain engagement, but also be able to infuse and take take their employees on this on this journey to whatever the unknown was at the time. And that's the CEO of Marriott. I cannot remember his name. Mm. Uh, I forgot what his name is right now, but he is a great example. We'll have to we'll have to we'll have to post it later on. But he's a great example because he came out as soon as COVID hit and Marriott had to hospitality, right? The biggest right. industry here, all of the aviation, yeah. um, to say he had to come out and say, look, guys, we don't know what's happening here. We're going to have to shut shop for a while, right? Until we, we, until we reassess what's happening. But yeah. he did two things. Number one, what was powerful about his message is that he also talked about the fact, and he did a video, um, video, uh, what is it called, message to his employees, where he actually talked about the fact that he had cancer and had been going through chemo. So he, number one, he talked about his vulnerability as a leader. I have, mm. I've been through a really bad place and I'm talking to you as your leader mm. when we are all in a very bad place and we have a lot of uncertainty. So for me, what that did is that as a message is that automatically it build a kind of a community to say, I'm like you, I'm in the same boat you guys are. Because yeah, yeah. I am not just sitting on my in my ivory tower watching all of this happen. I'm actually suffering from something else, but I'm also just as hit because now we're all, we're all in this boat together. Oh. So for me, number one is to actually say, how can you be so vulnerable as well as a leader to say, we're all in this together. We don't know what the future holds. We have to find it. So that's number one. This is part of the kind of the reboot. Well, let's find the future together. Let's understand where we've come from. Let's work on the on what the future might look for us. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, I would say to any CEO is get everybody in the business involved in giving you direction of where they see the future lies. Wow. I think one of the challenge with with organic with corporations is that uh, with with all due respect to our our uh, age, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is that they do sit on an ivory tower and, mm -hmm. and they're at the top here of the triangle, but yeah. it's the guys at the bottom and the girls who are at the <laughs> entry who get who understand what how consumers are changing, yeah. particularly through social media. And so they need to have that input into corporate strategies, not just the big guys. You know, it's a bit like saying, you know, Kodak didn't listen to its consumers about the fact that mobile phone is going to be the new camera. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need to, to make sure that there's learning that goes in from the bottom to the top and the top down. So it's got to be a, a, a dialogue yeah. that happens top down and inside and, and up and down. And mm -hmm. that dialogue has to be supported with internal comms of encouragement and openness to create true engagement mm -hmm. and allow for dialogue and, and also as a culture, allow for ideas that may not work. Mm -hmm. which is coming back to the concept of failure yeah yeah because if you have ideas that you someone brings in because i believe and firmly believe this and i've seen it in my experience as well the internal staff have a lot more ideas and know how to solve customer problems that's right more than anybody else exactly so 
they need to be empowered and that's where the engagement comes in because i know that that's a topic that i adore that's why i call myself a chief engagement officer if you don't have that the hearts and minds of your employees and the ability for them to be empowered to give you those inputs they're not going to do it so there was a there was a ceo doing COVID that i read about that every friday he would pin a letter to the entire staff what he was struggling with mm -hmm. how did his week go he stressed out how can we do this better? But he'd always end with, we're all in this together. If you can figure out a better way in doing what you're doing, let's hear it. Here's my email address. Respond to me. I may not know the answer, but we'll all get together. And I said, wow, pitch perfect. Because you're bringing everyone in and everyone feels that they have a responsibility in some way to make sure we do this correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I think one of your, well, there was a comment um, on about the value set. Yeah. Because uh, I talked about how women on average have, have found that they had a different value set to their, their corporations. And there are four guiding principles in terms of values that women, and, and this is a Generation Z, by the way, uh, issue as well, that women value. And it came, number one was passion. Mm -hmm. Are they doing something that they're passionate about and that makes their heart sing? You know, you, that's you and I, you know this. This is number one performance management. If you've got an asset, that, which is your employee, that's not doing yeah. something that makes their heart yeah. sing, they're not going to give yeah. it 100%. Mm -hmm. Number two is uh, innovation. And, and sorry, freedom. Sorry, number two was freedom. The ability to be free to dial up and dial down their careers, right? Whereas my co-author, great example, when she was had to work from home because of childcare issues, and I'm talking about women here, there was this... Uh, in the boardroom, there was this, oh, she's working from home comment, right? With, an, with the, uh, what do you call it? The air quotes. Now yeah. that's, that demonstrates a culture where it's presenteeism. She's not here, so she's not going to be valued for her contribution. So that mm -hmm. was the second thing that came out from our research. The third thing is women are terribly collaborative. We love working with other people. We're not, in, we're not a gender that tends to be very individualistic right yeah. on average again yeah yeah and so the the their idea is not being taken into consideration um and by the way this is why we say they drive innovation and this has been proven by research in MIT, by mit and various in london school of economics as well um if those ideas are not are not taken into consideration then they'll feel completely left out mm. and the fourth was sustainability women have a very strong sense of sustainability in fact they're they're the ones who are driving the green <laughs> the green movement with loads of not-for-profits globally yeah. loads yeah. of uh, of effort around things worth that need to be fixed that are good for the environment mm. so what i'm answering that question what's the typical value set and you'll find that actually that's the value set the generation z wants as well yeah yeah they're exactly they're they're exactly they're motivated by very very similar um values and again i think that's one thing that COVID has done is to help bring out these values and corporations to appreciate that actually we need to be vulnerable we need to be authentic we need to appreciate that we need to be collaborative mm -hmm. um innovative obviously because uh, supply chains corporations have to tra transition everything internally yeah so there you go that's, that's how i'm hoping that that's answered that, that no, question no, no that that's on point so there's a, a friend of mine who's a big shot in the air quotes in, in New York advertising. And uh, he has this podcast. And one of the things he said on there, he says, 
one of the things he's learned about life, if he's got the, you know, he sold his business and made a ton of money. And he said, if I had a choice between hiring two people, a male and female, he said, based on what I've gone through and what I've learned about people, I will always tend to hire a female. He said, because there's more collaborative because he said, and, and here's his thought. When you got a bunch of men in the room, it's the top t- testosterone is coming out and trying to updo you and all these kind of things. Stop it. We're trying to do what we need to do. Whereas women have this mindset that they want to be collaborative. They want to work together with people. And he said, men don't have that. That was his own personal opinion. But I can lock into that yeah. because, because it's not there to try to compete, to be better. That mental thing that you want to just look at the totality of the project and let's move forward to make that a success. Yeah. Uh, just one comment that I'd like to make on here, because obviously I know that we're live on LinkedIn and we're live on ver- in various different platforms. The whole discussion here is not about one versus the other. Yes. It's about, it's about having heter- um, heterogeneous teams that are balanced. Yeah. So, in, and this is what research has shown, that uh, teams that are heterogeneous that also allow for something that's called identity integration. So that's when psychologically there's a safety that whether you are, you call your, you know, you 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 are LGBTQ, I always get the, the uh, acronyms wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Gender, your sexual orientation, yeah. your background. I mean, I'm, I'm Greek Venezuelan, right? We were talking yeah. about that before the show. There's not many of us around. Yeah. So whatever your identity is, you should be able to bring it in. Because once you do, that allows for that natural innovation. And the research showed that there's teams that are heterogeneous, gender-wise and identity-wise, are 66% more efficient at taking good decisions than not, than homogeneous. So we only have to look at the at the crash of 2008, 2007. Yeah. yeah, Lehman Brothers to kind of say, look, this was complete groupthink. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was. That was a disaster. You know, in New York at that time, if you went to Port Authority or the bus terminal, people were leaving to go home. Every day you saw people coming through with all the boxes. They cleaned out everything and they were crying. That was a traumatic time in mm-hmm. New York because that was the heart of the financial center and the disruption was absolutely awful of what people went through. But again, I look at COVID. We talked earlier before we got started about the impact that COVID had and the learnings that could come from that. So I've always been of the type if you go through a disaster or you make quoted as a disaster, what did you learn from it? And mm. how can you take the learning and move to the next step? Now that's a growth mindset. Growth mindset. <laughs> yeah. That I'm trying to convert all of these clients of mine that's still stuck in a different time zone. Stop it. How do we yeah. how do we how do we move forward? Any final thoughts as we begin the process of closing out to the audience, whether it be the so-called C-suite big shots or just workers that are struggling at this time? I think one of the things that I want to get across is that we have, and, and I call this, we have to get used to addressing and de- developing what I call a chameleonic culture. Uh, mindset, sorry. Okay. The mindset that adapts like a chameleon, a bit like I said to you, your, your attitude mm-hmm. has to flow like water. Because in the world that we're living in today, nothing is going to be the same even in two years' time. 
I mean, we don't know what's going to be the, what's going to be happen as a as a result of this war that we've got currently going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single day is now an uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the parts and comments I'd like to make to anyone who's watching and listening is the time is now to embrace this mindset, this chameleonic mindset and be a transformational leader. Mm-hmm. You have to lead by example in taking people forward in an environment that can shift at any moment. Mm. And so you need those skills of, of adaptability, that resilience, that that working working in an environment which could be um, so difficult, challenging, but at the same time where there's so much natural learning that could happen. So it's, mm. it's embracing everything that you've talked about as well as being that growth mindset, but even more. It's actually... Uh, making it bolder by saying it's not just growing, it's constantly adapting. It's mm-hmm. constantly changing like a chameleon. I love the chameleon metaphor. I'm going to use that. I'll send you the royalty check every time <laughs> I use it because I love that. You know, you kind of morph into what you're dealing with now because next week may di- be different. Or next month may be different. Or six months Absolutely. down the line, whatever it is. Okay, cool. Christina, thank you so much for being a guest. I knew this was going to be awesome. Didn't I tell you that last week? I said this is going to be an awesome conversation. It's going to be great. Ron, thank you so much for having me. To be honest, it has been fantastic. And obviously, uh, if anyone wants to get in touch, please, please, please get in touch. I'm always open to connections on LinkedIn. And any questions that we didn't get to, feel free to drop me an email and we can carry on the conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Ron. Okay, give us your website so that the audience, if they wanted to go to your website to see your offerings, Ah, okay. So the website is, um, as you see, it's spelled here, Aquitude. So it's www.aquitude.com. Okay. Okay, cool. You're on LinkedIn. You're on all the social channels. So you're on Instagram. I'm on the social, all on the social channels, yes. Yeah. And also I have a private for my speaking and my um, coaching. I have ChristinaYoanidis.com and it's spelled exactly like you've got it here. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hold on, and we're going to come right back. So just hold on for just one second. Thank you. <laughs>